Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak Podcast. I'm Nikki Ivy, your host. our Facebook page, as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey guys, we are here again and Britt is with me. Yeah, I am. They have, people have loved you. Uh, that's awesome. I know. And they're like, we love the whole conversation. We love having two people. They're just tired of listening to me the entire time. And frankly, I'm tired of talking the entire time. Well, I have to I have to confess something. Okay. I don't go back and listen to the ones that I'm in because I hate listening to myself. Oh, my God. Me too. Like, I hate it. I never go back and listen. I, I hate hearing myself. Yeah, I get uh, it. Yeah. I'm like that actor that doesn't go and watch their own movie. Really? Because they don't want to see it. No, I might do that, but no. Yeah, the whole talking thing is... Isn't that like Matthew McConaughey or somebody who doesn't do that? I don't know. When I read his biography, I'll let you know. His autobiography. Oh, you're on that right now. No, I haven't read it yet. It's on my list, but I I don't have much time to read right now because I just got done doing my certification as a nutrition specialist for dogs. There you do. Whoop, whoop, and so did Gray. Yeah. So really super excited about this. And Gray is actually going on and doing the raw diet certification course so that we can offer that to our clients. So we can do nutrition consultations for you guys and help you get on the right food, the right amount. Um, But we can also do a raw diet for you probably starting sometime in April to where if you want to go to raw, then you can. Now, you're probably sitting there going raw. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Maybe in this section, it may be in part two. But we might touch on it just a little bit. I'm I'm really appreciative of that though because raw is hard. I mean, it's difficult. We used to do to it. Manage, yeah. It's really di- and to like know if you're doing the right thing. So if if you can get like a a cookbook, that's so really to speak, yeah. From Gray, you better be listening to this. That's right. Uh, 
<laughs> We're putting pressure on you, man. Get your certification done. That's right. Uh, then that would be awesome. Yeah, because it can be overwhelming. Me. Yeah, it, it's it's the whole vitamins, minerals, supplements. It's the supplements that I think really scare people. Oh, yeah. It's, it's tough, especially when you have three dogs with different nutritional needs. Yes. Um, and I know you'll get a little bit into that tonight, but... Yeah, it's it can be overwhelming. It can, and, and it really is one of the healthiest ways. But unfortunately, you know, it is difficult. It is a challenge, and most veterinarians are not fans. Mm. So usually, when people bring up the fact that they want to do raw, a lot of veterinarians are like, "I don't know." Well, in their defense, I mean, they have seen raw gone, gone wrong. I like Where? that raw gone, <laughs> raw gone wrong. Where? Say that four more times. <laughs> Almost didn't get it out one time. Uh, Where dogs have not fared so well. When I think that comes down to the supplements, not getting all the nutrients well, not, needs. But, or, you know, m- meat that's not up to par. And by that, I mean, it's rotten. Uh, you know, and dogs being yes. extremely sick or dying. And so, you know, obviously vets would have issue with that oh as as they should but there's a responsible way to do it absolutely there is and we're going to try to help you guys if that's something you're interested in obviously on a podcast we are going to do that podcast uh towards the end of the month we we can only really touch on it Mm -hmm. you know that it's it's individual for for each dog so you can't really just say here's a blanket recipe and this is going to be great for everybody right so there are a lot of things when it comes it's, it's all about the vitamins and the nutrients um, the minerals that are a part of the food. Uh, but we're not going to touch on that tonight. We are actually going to be talking kibble um, and canned food. Just general food that people are feeding their dog because it's March. You know what's so great about March? All the things. All the things. It's St. Patty's Day. It's my birthday. It's our anniversary. Woo-hoo. It's Reba's birthday. I, you went there. I always do. I, I know, but it's also National Nutrition Month to help, you know, to really get people pushed to to make better choices with their nutrition. All right. But don't just leave your dogs out. Don't just think that every kibble is okay to feed and that that kibble that's only 42 cents a pound is just as good as the kibble that's $1.85 a pound. There are going to be some differences. All right. And that's what we kind of want to talk about tonight is the kibble. That's the easiest thing to feed, but, uh, you know, it's not always the healthiest thing to feed. We're not going to talk brands, but I do want to teach you guys how to read your bag, Mm -hmm. read the bag and understand what's on the bag. And you can't just go with what you're reading because, well, it's a little trickery. There's a little trickery there for marketing purposes. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So when we, let's, let's kind of start out with talking about the importance of nutrition. I have been dealing with behavior for quite some time. Um, and anytime I get with a dog with behavior issues, nutrition is the first thing that I go to. Because if you don't feel good, you got a short fuse. Uh, that is true. Right? You, yeah, you're just, I can vouch for that. Yeah, you're not as tolerant. And so... If your dog doesn't feel good, yeah, there's probably going to be a short fuse there. But also there's a lot of ingredients in food that can actually enhance a little bit of aggression. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, we're not going to really get into that today, but I do want to kind of throw that out there. But also food can really cause problems with hyperactivity. And for dogs that do get worked up and get highly aroused, when they have a hard time coming down from that, Mm -hmm. they're being affected more than likely by their nutrition. So that's interesting. Yeah, think about a child who you just gave um, caffeine to. Yeah, exactly. Right. You it, you could I, give. She's just looking at my face. Yeah, her it, face is. She's like, I don't even want to. I don't even want to imagine that. <laughs> right. It's like, a look of terror. I'm sure you could give a kid <laughs> a bunch of caffeine and then ask them to sit down and watch a movie. No matter how bad they want to watch that movie, they physically cannot do it. Yeah. Because of what's running in their system. You know, when we talk nutrition, the immune system is huge. So many dogs we see are sick or they're having allergies or they're having a GI issue or they throw up on a regular basis. They get diarrhea. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, is nutrition will play a huge part in all of those. 90% of your immune system or 90% of dog's immune system is in their intestines. It's in their gut. Yeah. So if the gut's not doing well, then yeah, your dog that has grass allergies, they're going to, they're going to be itchy. Just putting them on a on medication is not, it may soothe the symptoms, but you're not fixing the underlying cause, which is a poor immune system. Right. I mean, that's not different from humans who have immune issues. Exactly. Right. So it's not, not to say that diet alone will fix that, but you know, so many times doctors prescribe things just to fix the symptoms. Yes. And don't look at the underlying cause of the autoimmune issue. Exactly. So. And and I would say that's a common issue um with dogs because unfortunately the education that veterinarians get with nutrition is very minimal. Very minimal. Um if they're lucky they'll get a half a semester and it is taught by Someone from one of the food companies. It's not even taught by the professor. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So, it, so you know, if you're going to look for at nutrition, you really need to find someone who truly understands nutrition. And there are some veterinarians out there who study nutrition, mm-hmm. who want to, to have that as in their back pocket, but they have to go do it extra than just veterinarian school. Oh. So, you know, I do recommend that you... Do your own research if you have a veterinarian who is just a veterinarian that doesn't get into nutrition. You know, just like I have a doctor who's not into nutrition. If I need to talk nutrition, I find a nutritionist. Right. Right. So my doctor. Yeah. It's not a dig on. No. No, absolutely not. (laughs) No, no, not a dig at all. Like y'all have other things to do. (laughs) Right. Right. So it's, but it's just knowing that just because they're a veterinarian doesn't mean that they know the best nutrition Mm -hmm. for um, you know, for your dog, just like my doctor may not have all the answers that I need for my nutrition because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty serious about my nutrition Yeah, most of the time when I'm not drinking margaritas. Minus that margarita you're hey, about to Hey, you know drink. what? This margarita fits in my macros. So I am good. Oh, I am, good. I am underneath. Good I am under you. my calories, <laughs> under my carbs, under my sugar intake. It meets my macros. Listen, I hear that red wine over here is good for your heart. So um I'm going for it. It is good for your heart. Probably just like one glass, not five. Yes. Yeah, you're not supposed to drink the bottle. 
I mean, once you drink the bottle, then you got other issues that are taking place. Mm. So yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta be careful. But that's what that's the thing is that when it comes to like dogs or even yourself, trying to not have anything that you like is not what we're going for here, right? So like if your dog wants a something that's not necessarily great for them, if they have it in moderation, it's not the end of the world, right? There are some treats out there that are not that healthy, but dogs love them. It's not the end of the world to every so often have that. Yeah, we, I'd, I'd be really upset if you took Swiss rolls away from me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, so usually Swiss rolls are a part of her <laughs> Christmas present once a year. It tells you how long it lasts. She thinks it's only once a year. Oh, yeah. See, she does all the grocery shopping, so I don't even know what's in the house. I eat what she makes, which is usually healthy. So, you know. We do want to make sure, though, that our dogs are being as healthy as possible. And I know that kibble is easy. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. It's affordable. Is it the healthiest? No. Canned food is actually healthier, but not affordable for most dogs. It's, I mean, it's not. It's out, It can be it's, really outrageous. It's super expensive um, because it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's heavy to ship. And so um, the prices are typically instead of a dollar sixty per pound for a kibble, it's sometimes three dollars a pound. Mm, wow. So it's it's healthier, but still not that affordable. Now there are some different diets out there of, of dehydrated food. You got the raw diets, frozen raw diets. Those are all out there, but we're not going to talk about that today. We are going to specifically talk about kibble and what to look for on that bag. Okay. Most kibble is actually made of carbs. Now, uh, carbs, carbs, dogs don't need carbs, right? Um, one, they can't break down carbs. Um, actually, they don't even have what it takes to start breaking it down in their saliva, which means that the carbs usually will just start sticking in the teeth. Well, that's gross. Right? And that's where we get gum disease, mm. plaque on the teeth, bad breath, right? So carbs is not something that dogs need. They would typically get it from the protein source that they're eating, which is why if you're feeding something like beef, having a free range beef, right? Grass fed beef. Well, if you're going to eat that beef, you're eating protein, but what's been in that beef is your carb. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if, if it, it's a secondhand carb, secondhand carb, right? So like if your dog, so my dogs have eaten a rabbit after the cat killed it and ate what she wanted. They're so sweet. Cats actually start at the head and move down. Dogs will actually go straight to the stomach. You know what that... Mm, I know. Thanks. I know, but this thanks is it's important. <laughs> I know it's important though, but you know what's in the rabbit's stomach? Well, I'm going to go with veggies and roughage. There you go. Your carbs. <laughs> so that's where they would get that. Um, unfortunately, our kibble these days are full of carbs, which means full of sugar so what carbs are they using i mean grain oh grain your potatoes Mm, okay right so you're seeing a lot of that well because you see a lot of sweet potato recipes yes which sweet potato uh, sweet potatoes are actually easier to process than your white potatoes right because the glycogen level it's a little different on that, which I'm not going to get scientific with you guys. I've had so much chemistry <laughs> in my brain. You're like, I didn't know I was going back to it's high school. It's ridiculous, right? 
So kind of give you an idea about digestibility. So this is probably a good way to kind of hit that. When you're talking digestible, digest digestibility, meaning the dog is actually using what they're digesting, right? Mm -hmm. It's that beneficial. When you look at something like an egg, Mm -hmm. egg is 100% on the biological value chart. It's at 100. So they're going to use the whole thing. They're using it. Okay. Right? Chicken is around 79. Uh, Brown rice, you're actually dropping down to about 57. Potatoes, 34. And we're talking... White potatoes. White potatoes. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm I don't know the exact number for sweet potatoes, but it's definitely going to be healthier than your white potatoes. Um, but it's so there's just a lot of things to kind of take take in consideration. And we've all heard no corn, no wheat, no yeah. byproducts, and it's good to start there. But there are so many other things that we have to talk about on what you're feeding and mostly you can start to understand this by just looking at what's on the bag right so most food well all kibbles are processed pretty much the same way they are cooked until there are no nutrient values left which is why you have such a long list of ingredients Mm -hmm. because that's where they're adding the basically synthetic vitamins back in and synthetic vitamins are not as healthy obviously as natural vitamins but here's the other thing synthetic vitamins the majority of synthetic vitamins do not come from the united states of america and where do they come from mostly from china so when people talk about well i don't want a food that's added you know i want a food that's made in the usa well that's great but a lot of your pre-mix vitamins are are basically synthetic vitamins, and they're coming from China. And mass-produced. And, and mass-produced. And, and the, it, that doesn't have to be put on the bag. The only way you can know that is call the company. And a lot of times the companies don't even know where their synthetic vitamins come from. Oh, wow. So there is a, there's really a lot. It's, it's really crazy, and it can get overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to try to break it down to make it as simple as possible. Right. We want dogs to be as healthy as possible, their immune system feeling good, uh, where their immune system good so that they are feeling good mm-hmm. and that everything can stay regulated, you know, especially when we're talking about glucose levels. Um, how many dogs that do we see that have diabetes? Oh, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. There is no reason a dog should have diabetes because they should not have sugar. Mm. But when we look at our food, sugar is in there everywhere. Okay, so let's start out with kind of the three major ingredients we want to look at, which is the macronutrients of your protein, your carb, and your fats. Right. Right. Out of those three, the carbs are the worst thing for your dog, Mm -hmm. not the fats. Dogs need fat. Well, yeah. But they obviously need a limited amount. Protein, though, is the biggest thing, especially with older dogs. Um, They need more protein. And they're finding in research that even dogs with kidney disease, doesn't, they do not need a low-protein diet. They actually need a regular to high-protein diet. Really? Yeah, so that the kidneys are not working as hard. I know it's crazy. It's a lot of chemistry, and I cannot give you the ins and outs. However, 
We are going to have a podcast towards the end of the month where we're going to have a specialist on who is going to talk about nutrition for health. Oh, yay, good. Yes. So we're going to be trying to do a lot of of these things this month for nutrition uh, because it really is important. So when we're looking at ingredients, you always want to see the protein. Now, when you look at a bag, you have protein minimal amounts. So -hmm. let's take um, a dog food with 28% protein. Right, you look at it and you go, well, that's great. Right now, now um, I think it's it's NRA, which is um, one of the companies or one of the organizations that kind of put up the minimum values. Now, AFCO also does this, but they're basically saying that the minimum amount of protein that adults need is eighteen percent. And frankly, I think the dogs need a lot more than that. That is really the minimal. Puppies at twenty two percent. Most dog foods you look at are going to be 28 to 32. Mm-hmm. Some of them are 34. The higher end ones. The other ones are probably not going to be as high. But just because it says 28% protein, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you have 28% of quality protein. Well, I mean, that's relatable. I mean, you look at processed meat here for humans. And it's the same thing. It may have a high protein content, but that's some highly processed meat. Yes. And Which, you know, I ain't hating on. Now, I mean, she eats some processed meat it, now. But, but here's the thing about it. It's not just the animal protein that they're including. A lot of companies will add plant protein mm. to up their protein content. Which would be fine for us, I guess, but... Not, not for, for dog. dogs. No, they've got to have that protein. The brain health, everything plays a part of protein. These, they're carnivores. Right? Yeah. They need that protein. And cats need it even more. I, th- I think we forget that. Uh, you know, when you have, you have all these ingredients in dog food, you know, you've got beets, you've got grains, you've got... <laughs> There are so many things. You know, I, I don't know if, if because sometimes we see our dogs eat grass like we think we they need it. I don't know. Maybe that's where that comes from. But they're pretty much eating grass because their stomach's upset. Yeah. So the chlorophyll can help to settle that. Mm, okay. And that's the chlorophyll just tastes good. I mean. Well, ew. Not for me. I mean, if you're less miles, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We are sport fans. Um, so we always want to bring those in. <laughs> Every time I can, I'm going to throw it in there. I know it. I'm telling you. Um, so protein is important. It's the quality of protein. Now, when you look at protein, you have your protein source and you have your protein meal. Now, the protein that they put on the bag, if it's, say, it's just chicken. Mm-hmm. Well, that chicken may be listed first. But the thing is, is they put all those ingredients listed by weight. But it's by weight before processing. So oh, okay. the chicken may be the heaviest thing in that bag. But after processing, you've lost 70% because it, it was water. So now it's only 30% left of actual chicken. So you have to take the rendering process into consideration. Uh, yes, absolutely. Because, you know, a, a carb that they put in there may not change so much. During processing. Yeah. Whereas chicken may 
cook down to yeah. almost nothing. Yeah, you pretty much have 30% right? left of that. That's Tonight. correct. That was okay. good. You nailed right, it, cool. right? So, yeah, so when you look at if chicken is your first ingredient and then you have three grains, guess what well, your food's they, made of? They expand when they cook. I mean, as someone who cooks, look like at I you. know that oatmeal is going to get it's bigger. It's going to get bigger, right? <laughs> All right, cool. There's a reason it says serving sizes uncooked. Yes. Of, you know, a certain Yes, grain. exactly. Right. See, I'm learning so much. Okay, I know. Cool, so, cool. so right, your grains are going to go up in weight. Your meat's going down in weight. Mm. So, meat is seventy percent water. So, when you cook it, it's down to about thirty percent. So, that first ingredient of chicken, your food is not made of a lot of chicken. Well, dang. There you go. I know. I wanted to say something else. I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. So, how do they get to that percentage of twenty-eight percent protein? Plant protein. Mm. And plant protein is not as good as animal protein. So with our animal protein, what we really want to see is we want to see more of a meat meal. So like chicken meal. Chicken meal, is it's made down into a, a powdery substance. The great thing about chicken meal is it's actually 300% more protein oh. than your 30% chicken that's been cooked. So meal is actually going to give you more protein mm -hmm. than just the meat by itself. Now, when I say meat, anytime we're looking at our food, we always want to make sure that we see the designated animal it comes from. You do not want to get a food that just says meat meal. Uh, right? <laughs> Definitely not meat byproducts. All right, then. <laughs> byproducts are basically waste not for human consumption. Um, there are many healthy options of byproducts that dogs can eat that humans don't. But you really, but when you're looking though at that protein, you want to look for more of a meal. Really, you want to look for the ideal situation of looking at your ingredients is your first three ingredients. Mm -hmm. The best case scenario is that your first two ingredients are, are an animal protein. Mm -hmm. So it might be chicken and chicken meal. Okay. Okay. That's good. That means that the majority of our protein is coming from animal. The... Not the worst case scenario, but the second best would be meat being first and a meat being third. So maybe it's chicken with whole grain rice and chicken meal. Okay. All right. So we're okay there. It's not the worst. Okay. But when we see just chicken and then a bunch of stuff, then you pretty and much have a carb. You pretty much have a carb food. In the ingredients. Okay. So only animal protein. Yeah. Yikes. And so the protein is actually coming from plants more yeah. than animal. I, I did look at our kibble tonight because we, we do feed the rotty kibble. Because um, like we said before, she can only have like two things. Um, and it is, it is goat and goat meal are the two. And that's what you first. want. Um, also, this food is from Australia. So it's. You know the the quality there. I think is. I would much tell you, yeah, better. There are the countries have way different restrictions, yeah, and much better restrictions than we have in the U.S. Yeah. So I, I don't even I want to get into how they approve food here. About that one. <laughs> Let's yeah. just say that when when you see on a bag, approved or natural or human grade or um, good for Sh skin and coat, just know human human grade meaning. Human grade, the only thing the human grade ingredients mean is that it's been processed 
the way human food would be. In a sanitary issue. It, yes. It's all about the, the process. But it has nothing to do with the actual ingredient. It has nothing to do with the quality of the ingredients. Oh, dang. Of human grade. Okay. Well, yeah. and, the, and the reason I say that, this is funny. Today I was looking at um, at Greece. And by Greece, I mean, I was, I'm working on restoring a, a turntable, you guys. So <laughs> I needed some. She's a hippie at yeah, heart. Some wheel bearing grease. Uh, and I was looking for a certain brand and I'm, I'm, I found, I found one and it says on the label, uh, like made like human, it was like food grade, like human food grade. And I was like, who is, who is eating like wheel bearing grease? Nope. But now you're saying what that actually means is no, it's not that it's for consumption. It's just made in a way. That you would process human food. Yes. So basically the, the, the definition, and I'll just read it for word because it easier, is, is every ingredient and the resulting product are stored, handled, processed, and transported in a manner that is consistent and compliant with regulations for current good manufacturing practices from human edible foods. But you could do that with anything. Right? No, you don't even want to know how they're processing. But that's what I'm saying. Food. Like you, <laughs> you if as long as you're going through that process, can't you just like the grease, right? Like no one is eating automobile, no like things yeah, I don't, use on your your wheels. I don't even know where that came from, and and I don't know. Maybe you need to look at the ingredients of this and see what the ingredients are of that. Maybe you'll be surprised that there's ingredients in it. Well, that all right, are we can get into the whole petroleum thing. Edible. We know where that comes from. Right, but, so which are animal based, but uh, there you go. But to see it say <laughs> it's like human grade, right? I'm like, um, yeah. somebody eating this stuff? No, okay, right. you're just telling me it, it has to do with the way it's processed, yes, okay. and the handling. Okay, it's the handling, transportation, the storage, everything. It has nothing to do with the quality of the They're ingredients. They're just really, really excited about their. Yeah, they're, maybe so that they like look how clean grease. this is, right? <laughs> okay, cool. Like, I, yeah. So keep that in mind when you're looking at those all right, things. Cool that right, dang. We want to look at more on the where the ingredients are listed and how they're listed, right? Like I said, you don't want a meat meal. Mm-hmm. You want a specific protein, chicken meal, beef meal, right? Pork meal, duck meal, not just meat meal. Okay, meat meal um, is basically rendered. Uh, so the heating and the pasteurization of it um, is basically inedible byproducts. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Um, so yeah, please. basically any meat not for human consumption would be in a meat meal. So you want to have like a chicken or beef or duck. So you really know where it's coming from. And plant-based proteins actually the same thing. It's leftover from human consumption foods. So they'll literally okay. scrape things up off the floor. And they can throw that into, because a lot of the food is made where human food is made. Mm -hmm. But, um, so yeah, you just gotta be, (laughs) you gotta be careful. Like, you know, corn gluten and corn gluten meal are one of the main ingredients of a plant-based protein that they used that is really just left over from human consumption. The stuff that we don't eat. Yeah. The leftover pieces. So you gotta be careful guys. You gotta, you want to look at your food. 
and you want to make sure that you're sticking with a protein that you know the source. Mm -hmm. And also when you're looking at it, make sure that protein is either number one and two or one and three. So you said something the other day while you were doing your certification about um, the ingredients on the bag, if it's a formula. Yes. So like a, a lamb and rice formula. Like It was mind boggling what that actually meant. Because when you buy a bag of food and it says lamb and rice, you think, okay, it's lamb and rice. But apparently that's not a thing. <laughs> You know, I I think I was floored by this information because part of this course did teach you what the front bag, the front of the bag and what the back of the bag mm-hmm. and how AFCO has regulated this. So, so one of the things that probably blew me away was that if you see a bag that has like the lamb and rice recipe, mm-hmm. lamb and rice formula. What that means, anytime you see something like um, formula, entree, recipe, dinner, flavor, that's pretty much telling you that what they're claiming, lamb and rice, is 25% of that food. Okay? So lamb and rice only makes up 25% of that food. Now, I say 25% of that food, but in actuality, one food One ingredient can have 22% and the other have 3%. Guess which one on a lamb and rice is going to be 3%. And that's consistent across the board that lamb is 3%? Any type of chicken and rice, lamb and rice, beef and rice. Wow. So one of them is only 3%. It's going to be the protein because it's cheaper. Mm, So then you have 22% rice. So you think you're feeding it a good... You know, lamb with bison and duck. Well, where's that bison and duck listed? Oh, like the fifth ingredient? Right? There's a percentage that, that they're looking at that allows the, the manufacturers to put this out there. Oh, oh, and I forgot to mention that 25% mm-hmm. is before processing. Okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all, I was floored. I, I studied all last week during the snow, and I was floored. I, did, I didn't see her for seven days. It, it was, and when she would come out of her cave, <laughs> uh, I mean, she looked dazed. And it, so... Because it's just... It's mind-boggling. It yeah. is mind-boggling. Um, and the only way you're going to get... Like the hundred percent, they have it like this hundred one hundred percent rule. Mm-hmm. The only thing it can include is water, and you're only going to get that in can, mm. pretty much. Okay, right. Um, they do have a ninety five percent, which is the total weight of the product, um, and it's with water. After water is removed, it may only contain about thirty percent. So, if my chicken is ninety five percent of my meal of the kibble before cooking, I can put the ninety five percent on there. Gotcha. So there. It's just really insane. So one of the rule of thumbs is try to stay away from anything that says formula, flavors, entree, recipe, dinner, Mm -hmm. right? You just want dog food, right? Just food. Yeah. Food. So um, it is, it's really when you're, when you can understand the bag, because let me tell you what they do. 
when they make these bags with all these beautiful colors, mm-hmm. and they show you peas and carrots in the food, guess what? If that really has color in the bag, they're using food coloring. Food coloring is toxic to dogs. Yikes. Stay away from anything with food coloring. I know it looks pretty, but it's horrible. It's horrible for dogs. It's so toxic. So this is a total, it's sort of off topic, but not really. Um, You know, we feed like snacks sometimes to the dogs that are, you know, carrots or we'll give them some apple or something like that. Uh, What, how does that fit into this? It's actually, that's really healthy for dogs. The problem is, is making sure that it is um, easier to digest Mm -hmm. by pureeing it first. Like if you give a dog, say you give a dog some, some carrot, but Mm -hmm. you don't puree it. Right. You'll see that carrot come out in the stool later. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. If you puree it though, they have a better chance of actually absorbing the nutrients and absorbing what they need in there. So unsweetened applesauce instead of an apple slice. Yeah. So, cause it's already pureed. Gotcha. Right. So, so there, there are definitely a lot of great things that you can add to your dog's food. And it's actually wonderful to even add raw vegetables um, or adding a little bit to your dog's kibble. Right. So Mm -hmm. even if you only want to go kibble, you can do 50% kibble and 50% fresh food. If you don't want to go the whole raw way or, you know, things like that. So there are different ways we can do it. And, and I'm hoping Gray will really have some really good ideas on that when we do that yeah. episode. So you're, I mean, you're basically talking more complex carbs versus simple carbs. Yes. Which the simple carbs are being added, you know, beet pulp, those sorts of things that are high in sugar, uh, grains that aren't necessarily whole grains. And even if they are, you're telling me they're not, they're not even process the way of like <laughs> yeah so so for an example like simple sugars if you're as confused as i am it's okay i know it, it's it's a lot and i do recommend you probably go a little bit more into detail of, of reading some things but simple sugar the only thing that dogs can use for simple sugars is, the, is glucose okay. glucose is the only sugar they use for energy okay you'll see a lot of times in in bags of food cellulose mm-hmm. cellulose is a um, a starch, basically. Mm-hmm. Dogs and cats cannot digest that. So it's actually, it's pointless. Then it's just putting the system overload. So when right. we're talking about carbs, um, here's the problem with carbs. Kibble needs at least 30% of starch in order to process. Mm-hmm. So you're automatically going to have that 30% in there. Now, cats absolutely do not need any carbs, but there's no actual minimum so, like, AFCO sets these minimum standards for fat, minimal standards for protein, but they don't do it for carbs because we know dogs don't need carbs. Okay. They should put a max, but they don't. Mm. Right? So, so when you look at things like fructose, um, let's like sugar and honey or fruit, dogs cannot use that. So, glucose is the only thing they will use for energy purposes. Okay. Okay. So... When we are looking at carbs, something like um, your common carbs that you'll see a lot of times are whole grains, your barley, oat, rice. Um, if you don't see whole mm-hmm. in front of it, then it's probably just floor remnants. Mm. Okay, they're just sweeping it up off the floor. 
and using yeah. the pieces and parts. I mean, it so, could be like wholes of it. Then, yeah, right? exactly. Okay. So you want to look for something like whole brown rice, mm. right? Not whole white rice, whole brown rice, mm-hmm. um, you know, whole oats or however that is put out there. But you, you want to look something like for whole, not just the oats. Yes. Yeah. Right. So that there's a lot that, that goes into that. And I'm not, again, I'm not going to spend tons of time with that. Um, I just want y'all to be aware of looking at your bag and understanding the protein and the carbs. Now, when it comes to like fats, I'm not really going to talk a ton about fats because I think that if you just, uh, you know, keep it pretty minimal and most foods do have a minimal fat. Mm -hmm. We kind of look at the carb content and not the carb content, but the calorie content. And we can break it down to see where it comes from. But unless your dog's an athlete, you probably don't need to go that deep into it, yeah. right? If your dog is an athlete, they're going to need um, much more than your average dog. So basically, whatever you're feeding a regular dog, if your dog is an athlete, they would need about 10% more calories per hour of the work. But we'll get into the calories and stuff later. So basically, your fat, um, you know, here's the issue with fat, though. So many foods have fish oil. Unfortunately, fish oil will oxidize as soon as it's kind of open to the air. We have a plastic container that we keep our food in. And I know there are a lot of people that put their food in plastic containers. You're you're looking at me like I did something wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) I thought that putting it in an airtight seal container was the best thing. And it's not. Oh, darn. Yes. So. I just thought, well, hey, they can't get into it. They don't have thumbs. Right? But that's not the case. Oh, because okay. leaving it open to the air actually will make the fish oils um, oxidize. When you have a meal, when you have a food that has fish oil in it, once you open it, you need to use it within two weeks. So if you've got small dogs, don't be buying 40-pound bags. You need to use that in two weeks because... The oils are going to start to oxidize and are going to become rancid. And you need to keep them in the bag that they came in. Because the bags are made to help prevent that. Oh. Okay, right? (laughs) These are things that I did not know. Who knew? I don't know how many clients I go to and I'm like, what do you feed? And they're like, oh, I don't remember. I I just pour it into the bin. Yeah. Right? Right. But we, we know I, that's me. Yeah. Use the bin, but keep the food in the bag and put the bag in the bin. Yeah. Like I will, I will email Tiff and be like, I need hey, a small bag. Wait, I need a small bag of whatever I got last time for the cats. <laughs> exactly. It's not that I don't care. It's just that I pour into the container and forget. Yeah. So anything with, with, um, a, a, basically a chicken based, uh, dry food that's high in, um, you know, and and fats, you're gonna definitely in any type of fish oil two weeks. If you've got something like beef, you can go about three weeks. So, okay. But yeah, you've got to be really careful. I'm telling you, it's just amazing of the stuff that I was like, what? Who knew this? And if if I've been doing this 25 years and I've been studying nutrition, I didn't even know this because the nutrition I studied didn't really go into that. Right. Um, but I do think it makes a huge difference. And the thing is, even if you're doing raw, raw is not exempt. If you're doing a, you know, any type of, of, of fat in a raw, it can also oxidize, which is, you know, becomes rancid and the dog gets sick from it. 
Well, so, it, the good thing about raw, though, is that you tend to make it in smaller batches. Yes. Therefore. If you're making it homemade. But if you're buying a oh, frozen yeah, raw. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. Yeah. I'm picturing the food processor, processor <laughs> and the. The many hours you spend oh processing gosh. fruits and veggies. Sunday food prep was not for me. It was for the dogs. So, yeah. Yeah, we used to. We used to do the, the raw feeding, and it was something. We have a big chest freezer that we kept it in. and it's something. It was something, sure. no doubt. Oof. Um, so, you know, it's really just making sure that we're looking at the quality of the ingredients and where they're listed. Now, let's go to the back of that bag. The first thing I want to tell you about the back of that bag. <laughs> Dear. I know. Um, we, we talked about looking at the first, second, and third ingredient. So we need to have meat. In the first top three. And not meat, meal, mm-hmm. but chicken, chicken meal, beef, beef meal. Obviously meal, we're going to get more protein out of that mm-hmm. than just itself. But do not go with just generic meat. Know the source. So that needs to be in the first top three. Okay. Right? After that, you are going to typically get your other ingredients, your carbs. Look for your whole grains. Right? Not just, do y'all hear that bell? If y'all can hear that, that is our dog wanting to go outside. She hits a bell. So she's just going to keep doing it, and she gets really angry. She'll ring it several times. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but if you can, that's what's happening. We're going to ignore, though, because we're doing a podcast episode. (laughs) Um, So that is one of the things that you want to look at. That's the first thing you want to look at. I need the first three ingredients to have some protein in there, and that's animal protein, not plant protein. Now, before I go any farther, Mm -hmm. I do need to bring up. The whole taurine, DCM, grain-free issue. Mm, okay, yeah. That's been out it's been a for a while, thing. right? Yeah. Where they were coming out and saying that grain-free diets or exotic meats were causing some heart issues with dogs. What? What is an exotic meat? Um, like a venison, I would think that they would consider that as an exotic meat. Your goat is exotic meat, kangaroo, rabbit, bison, because these are not normal. I think that they're thinking normal meat for dogs would be chicken, beef, turkey, maybe duck, but the rest are kind of exotic. Because they're game I guess, maybe. I don't know. No, I just don't know what... I I, I don't know, but, you know, they're thinking these... They're like these boutique... Exotic recipes. Oh, the boutique foods. Yeah. Let me just go ahead and I tell you guys. Quote, unquote. Yeah. The FDA has finally come out, and I have been saying it. There is not any study that shows a correlation between grain-free diets and heart issues. DCM. Dilated cardiomyopathy. I really put off saying that because I was afraid I was going to screw that up. I... I'm so proud of you. Thank I, you. I would have. I totally slowed that one down. Messed that up all day long. I know. That was crazy. Um, there is zero, zero evidence. So go back to your grain-free food, people. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can always get your dog's taurine levels checked, and then you can always add a supplement if needed. But um, the grain-free food has nothing to do. Well, that's, With that's good considering the food we use. Absolutely. We're always grain free. Quote unquote exotic. Yes. And our dog can eat green. goat. 
and she can go- have uh, she, <laughs> she she can eat gluten. She wasn't intolerant or sensitive to gluten, but that's about it. That's strange. Uh, yeah, my dog doesn't can't eat very much. So that's what we want to look at. So try to avoid as many grains as possible, which is why I like grain free. Okay, so that most of the protein should come from animal protein sources. Mm-hmm. Okay, instead of your pea proteins, your potato proteins, your soy protein, soy meal, you want to stick with animal protein. Now, if you look at an ingredient list, it is huge. But what I want you to do, guys, most of all that you see on the bottom of that, all those things that you're like, how do you even say this, right? What is this acetate? What is this? Um, Thiamine phosphate, what is this uh, niacin, you know, or pathanine acid or calcium pathanate or, I mean, there are so many things, right? What these are, are these things you're saying? They're all synthetic <laughs> vitamins. Okay. But what you need to look at is I want you to go down your bag of food and I want you to find the ingredient salt. Most all foods have salt. Now, Avco... Do they really? I've never seen it. Uh, most foods have salt. So we'll need to look at the ingredient list and see. The AFCO has put that the maximum amount of salt that can be in a food. Now remember, the ingredients are listed by weight. Uh-huh. So the maximum amount of salt that can be in a food is 1%. Which means that everything that is below salt, there is 1% or less of in your food. So let's say that you have a food that is chicken and rice with blueberries and, I don't know, we'll say blueberries. If you look and that blueberries is underneath the salt, there are no really blueberries in there. But they can put it on the front of the label because it makes the list in the back because they did put it in there. It's just 1% or less. I don't like this podcast. <laughs> it makes you want to be like, I just need to cook this. I need to cook my dog's own food. Well, and and going, and this is a, I know you, you have more to, to say, but as someone who does go and, and buy our pet's food, you know, sometimes it's not feasible to pay $70 a bag for kibble that's actually good or you know get canned food or raw food i mean it's just not it's not feasible doesn't mean you're a bad dog person no because you can't afford you know a high-end food so what do you recommend in those situations where you know someone may be feeding perina they're an amazing dog human and, but they can't maybe afford something different. I think. What the, do you do in that case? So what I like to do is tell people to figure out your budget. That's the mm-hmm. first thing is figure out your budget. Now, I don't want you to just look at the number that you're paying for a 40-pound bag. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I want you to look at is I want you to look at the ingredients first and foremost. Let's say it's it's in the top, the top three ingredients. You at least have your proteins. I want you to look at the calories per cup. Right, because if we look at a lot of the foods that are out there that are really cheap, like you can get a 40-pound bag for like $25, yeah. right? Those foods typically have really crappy ingredients to start with, a lot of food coloring, a lot of sugar, which is why dogs eat it so well. Mm-hmm. Sugar is addictive. 
I mean, not going to lie, like Jake has, has been on that. I was a college student when I got him. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And he ate it just fine, right? Oh, he loved it. Yes, absolutely <laughs> did. And so I tell people, when you look at those foods, typically they're very low in calories. Okay. So you've got your 40 pound bag at 25 bucks. We may look at that as, oh, look, it's only this much per pound, but it's only 315 calories, which means you're feeding seven cups of food a day. So when you look at per feeding, it's going to be way different than buying a food that may be, instead of 60 cents a pound, is $1.20 a pound, but you're getting 425 calories a cup. Okay. Which means that when you look at the per cup feeding, it, it's huge difference. So really looking at your budget, finding a food that meets the requirements, and then looking at the calories per cup. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to be feeding as you're much. You're not going to be feeding as much. When you have food that has high calories, you don't have to feed as much. Okay. Now, we want to make sure these are good, healthy calories, obviously. More protein, mm-hmm. fats, less carb. But you want to make sure that you're looking at the calories per cup, not just the hunk of, of money that you're throwing down. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would say is, is try to find a food that is close to what you can pay as possible with the quality ingredients and then supplement with some, some natural foods, mm-hmm. supplement with them, you know, with some, uh, chicken, right. Um, supplement with, um, some pieces of, you know, I wouldn't say broccoli because that would be gassy, uh, supplement with some apples or, you know, supplement with something to help meet those nutritional needs and meet those calories. Right. Now, if you guys are not sure how much to feed your dog, feel free to shoot us an email. Okay. But shoot us an email at podcast at dogspeak101.com so it doesn't get lost Mm -hmm. in all the emails that we get. And I'll be happy to give you your dog's calorie intake. What I need from you, though, is your dog's weight. Mm -hmm. And I need to know if the dog's healthy or if the dog needs to lose weight or gain weight. And I need to know your dog's age. And then I can give you the caloric intake of what your dog should be eating on a regular basis. Right? So um, we may talk about that later, about how to do that yourself. But I'll be happy to do that for you guys. I have no problem with that. Because really when we look at good foods, they're going to have a higher calorie per cup. And you're not going to be feeding as much. If you're feeding a a 50-pound dog more than three and a half cups a day, then you're probably not on the right food. It's probably a really low calorie food. All right. So you'll just look for that calories per cup and that's a kcal. All right. Mm-hmm. It's a kilocalorie. So just look, look for that. But it really does. It makes a huge difference um, when you look at that instead of just the upfront pricing. Now there is a website that um, I used to really tell all my clients to go to. It's dogfoodadvisor.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think it's a useful site But I want people to understand that the ratings that they give the food, they give ratings from one to five and fives being the the best food. They're not rating the necessarily the placement of these ingredients. What they're rating is um, the non-controversial ingredients. So if a food has um, less non, you know, controversial foods, they're going to probably rate it a little bit higher. They're not looking at where they're listed. What's so a controversial food is um beet pulp. Okay. Uh some soybean meal can be a controversial ingredient. Yeah. In some places. So they're looking at more of the controversial and they will actually show you 
in the in their list of what the you know the red ingredients the controversial and they'll even explain but that's how they're doing their ratings so it's not something you can necessarily go off of it's a great place to go and look at the ingredient list without having to search everywhere yeah but um, you definitely don't want to just go by their definition uh, because a lot of those um, a lot of those foods are not you know they've got like chicken and then a bunch of grain and that may get a four star rating because it doesn't have controversial ingredients. Mm, okay. So you got to be careful with that. Uh, so that kind of just kind of sums up some of the things you want to look at for your food. Now, I, I can't go into a thousand details because it's just it's difficult. But whenever the new book comes out, and I'm hoping sometime this year <laughs> the book will come out, we're going to have a chapter on this and give a little bit more description. But we're going to be doing episodes all month on nutrition. We're going to talk about, you know, treats and the, because having healthy treats are very important. And maybe I'll throw in some other things for that episode. We're going to have Gray on talking about a raw diet. We're going to have Tiffany on uh, to talk about food for health, meaning that if your dog has health issues, uh, whatever that may look like. So we are going to, we're going to try to educate you guys as much as we can Obviously, there's only so much we can do. I mean, this podcast episode's almost an hour already. Sorry about that. I'm, I just, I had no idea. I'm telling you. I didn't know what you've been doing for a week. That is it. And I have been, <laughs> I've been, my jaw has been dropped the entire time. And I think it's the biggest is that knowing that the regulations that AFCO has put in are not really good. They're not, they're not ensuring that this, that the kibble is healthy and good for for our dogs. Mm. And, you know, they're just more concerned about, uh, you know, does it meet their minimal requirements? Um, A a food can actually get um, approved by just doing a taste test with like eight dogs. And um, they can actually, dogs can fail out to where like 25% can fail out. And basically six dogs that do not change weight 10% 10% in either direction, they will approve that food. My dog will eat poop. Exactly. I, and Dan <laughs> will eat whatever, even if it doesn't make her feel good. So taste tests are not oh, yeah, really I can throw, the best way. I can throw a pill at her and she eats it. She's like, oh, it's a treat. Oh, yeah, that's how we give her pills. We toss oh, her a bless. treat, toss her a pill, toss her a treat. So that is that is one of the things that you really want to understand, that AFCO is not, um, they're not regulating things for the health of your pet. So you've got to really do research, do your study. And that's why we are going to start offering these consultations to help you guys get through this because it's a lot. And we want your dogs to be as healthy as possible um, physically, mentally, emotionally, behaviorally. We want that for you guys. Um, And also for those that are on like prescription diets, like veterinarian diets, please know that um, basically the majority of those prescription diets are made in the same manufacturing plant with a lot of the same ingredients as your regular food, but they're charging three times the amount. That'll be a story for another day. And also, these are not proven to actually do what they say. To be continued. Um, Yeah, to be continued, because food can say, this will help with your joints. There's no proof of that. They don't have to prove it. All they have to do is say, hey, we put glucosamine in here. So it's going to help with joints. So because it's on the list, we can put it on our label. But I'm thinking that uh, Tiffany will probably cover a lot of those things. Yeah, we're um, gonna we're gonna leave that burden to her. Yeah, right, because there is a lot to it. So 
Bottom line is, if you're not sure, if your dog is not eating on a regular basis, meaning eating twice a day consistently, um, or if your dog has loose stools, um, is throwing up on a regular basis, or even just once a week, that is abnormal, then reach out to us. We can help you. If your dog is not eating on a regular basis, you need to change food because either the dog doesn't feel good or the dog doesn't like the food. And lastly, if you're free feeding, you won't know if your dog likes the food or not, and you won't know if it's getting its caloric intake. If it's not getting its caloric intake, then we have blood glucose levels that are all over the place, which can cause a lot of issues. So please put your dogs in a schedule feeding, minimum of two times a day, smaller dogs three times a day, puppies three times a day, so that we know if your dog is eating well, the dog is being regulated, and the system is working properly. We can help you if you're having issues or if you just want to change your food and, you, and you're overwhelmed. We are offering consultations for that. We can do it via Zoom. We can do it via email. We can help you out. We just need a little information from you. And we can help you find a food that will work best for your dog. Now, just because we can recommend a food, we don't know if your dog has a food sensitivity or an intolerance. So I could send you the best food on the market, but if it's got duck in it and your dog has a problem with duck, then it's not going to be the right food for your dog. So if you think your dog has a sensitivity or intolerance, I highly recommend the saliva test from Hemopet, which is Dr. Gene Dodd's saliva test that tests those 24 ingredients that we did with uh, Double D, mm-hmm. and she was t- intolerant to 21 out of the 24. But When, when Dr. Dodds <laughs> sends the report back and says, I'm so sorry... Like, it's like, what do you do? I don't even know what to do now. I don't even know what to do. Um, and if y'all have not listened to that episode, go back and listen to the episode with Dr. Dodds. She's brilliant. And I'm excited to read more of her, of her books because I feel like now I can understand it more after getting my certification. She's big on nutrition. She's big on thyroid, um, you know, the thyroid working properly, but also about the saliva test. It is a phenomenal way to see if your dog has Uh, sensitivities and intolerances without going through um, a food trial where you're basically eliminating everything and eating, you know, it's so there's so much to it. And then don't even get me started on hydrolyzed protein. Um, There's just so much, there's so much. And I'm so excited for this month to bring this guys to you, uh, to bring this stuff to you guys, because it's overwhelming, but I want to make sure sure you guys have the most healthy pet that you can have that you have this dog for as long as you can possibly have it and that you don't spend half of the dog's life on um you know medicine and uh you know just things to soothe the symptoms let's get to the root issue and it it always starts with nutrition and you know what feed your dog well and feed you well right we want you to be healthy as well um and making sure that calories are correct is important because obesity in dogs is a real issue and when you get obesity in dogs you get knee problems hip problems back problems um, which costs more money your dogs do not feel your love more when you feed them anything and everything they want Um, so please stop (laughs) overfeeding your dogs and stop giving them fatty foods okay Um, i mean we're going to talk about human food when gray comes on and there are a lot of human Mm -hmm. foods that you can give dogs um, as treats, as part of uh, their normal feeding, whatever. But we want to make sure that 
Uh, it's the healthy kind. So look for that podcast episode. Ooh, Britt, we, we really, I was going to do this in two parts, but I think that I got out what I really wanted to do just yeah. to kind of throw out there. There's so much more. Yeah. But I, I mean, I've, sorry, you guys, it's so long, but <laughs> maybe you, maybe y'all need to listen to this in two parts. Yeah. I mean, you probably will. Um, but, and you may have to listen to it over and over again and make notes. I, I think the thing is like, I didn't know this stuff. So I'm, I'm genuinely like, you're ready to go back to raw, aren't you? Ah, confused. Yeah. And, raw yeah. or cook. Yeah. So there are, there, there's a lot that, that plays into it, but we're going to try to bring you guys as much information as possible. Like I said, if you're overwhelmed and you just want help, we, we're going to be offering nutrition consultations where we can help you find the right food. Just shoot us an email at podcast at dogspeak101.com, info at dogspeak101.com if you want to set up an appointment. We can do it via email for a small fee. We can do it Zoom for a small fee. And we will help you guys find the best food for your dog. Um, I hope you guys do have a wonderful week. Brett, thanks again for joining me. I think Brett's going to become a normal co-host on here. Oh, no, like I'm just part of the podcast now. You're part of the podcast now. Yeah. You don't even have to say Dog Speak with Nikki and Brett. Yeah, basically. All right. Well, we like it. I like it. Uh, So, you guys, I hope you have a great week. And stay tuned um, and wait for these other podcast episodes that are going to come out. I really am excited about this month. Uh, It's my birthday month. It's my St. Patty's Day month. It's my anniversary month. It's Reba's birthday month. You just get, and it's getting close to spring, which is my favorite. So yeah, I'm excited. So you guys stay warm, work your dogs. Let us know if we can help you out. We love you. We appreciate you. We will talk to you soon. Say bye, Britt.